MailChimp presents. As a marketer, you're speaking to a vast audience. Some people need to be converted into customers, some need to be reunited with their carts, and others have just made a purchase. But when you fail to segment your audience and personalize your messaging, you can get what's called a customer. One big cluster of customers who may seem alike, but actually all have different behaviors. So how do you turn those customers back into customers? With Intuit MailChimp, you can use personalization tools that segment customers into groups, break them up into like-minded target audiences, and send them personalized marketing. Intuit MailChimp, the number one email marketing and automations brand. Based on competitor brands' publicly available data on worldwide numbers of customers in 2021 and 2022. Availability of features and functionality vary by plan, which are subject to change. When the news of my lawsuit became public, there was a wave of reporting and a wave of trolling. You know, I was selfish. I was slutty. I was stupid. I was not a hard worker. I was trying to take shortcuts. I hated free speech. You know, there were all of these things that were so not me. When Ellen Powell got a job at Kleiner Perkins, a major Silicon Valley venture capitalist firm, she was unaware that seven years later, her experience there would make international headlines. In 2012, Ellen sued Kleiner Perkins for gender discrimination. And then she took a job with Reddit, a company that prides itself as an online platform for open commentary with loose regulations and volunteer moderators. But if you're outside of the Reddit community, you might know it as a breeding ground for racism, sexism, and hate speech, things that Ellen was already working against. Soon, Ellen was fighting on two fronts, one in the courtroom trying to win her gender discrimination lawsuit, and another against the trolls on Reddit, who were coming after not just her, but her family. And when it all came crashing down, she had a choice. Should she stay in Silicon Valley or leave it all behind? I'm Ann Friedman, and this is Going Through It, a show about how hard it can be to figure out when to quit and when to keep going. On this episode, what happens when, to do your best work, you have to reform your industry, or maybe the entire culture? Why, after this horrible experience at Kleiner Perkins, did you charge into this job at Reddit? I had looked at Reddit as a company to invest in when I was at Kleiner Perkins. There were so many things that were so positive about the site. The internet can be a brutal place. Bullies are emboldened to unleash cruelty. That seemed to be what was happening when a young man posted this photo of Ohio State University sophomore Ball Core in the funny section of the social news website reddit.com. Some Redditor took a picture of a woman, I think she was at an airport, and... The caption read, I'm not sure what to conclude from this. Is this a woman or a man? She had some facial hair and she was wearing a turban and he was just making fun of her. And she came back really graciously and wrote, I'm a baptized Sikh woman with facial hair. Yes, I realize that my gender is often confused and I look different than most women. 
However, baptized Sikhs believe in the sacredness of this body. By transcending societal views... You know, it got the original poster to apologize. And I thought, you know, that's the kind of conversation that can be really positive. And I thought, wow, if, if we can encourage that in, in, on the Internet and in the world, what a good thing to do. Was there a moment when your perception of Reddit started to shift? There were two moments. One was when we had this really bad use of our platform. Uh, let's get now to Boston. Apparently there's been an explosion at the Boston Marathon. There are about a dozen people hurt. No confirmed fatalities right now. Called an act of terror on another great American city, Boston. When the Boston Marathon bombing happened, the FBI released some photos of suspects and some Redditors took it too far and started guessing at who those suspects were, and they named somebody. Sunil Tripathi. Sunil Tripathi. And that person, Sunil Tripathi, had nothing to do with it, and his poor family got harassed. Right. I mean, we, we, can, we can wonder whether the New York Post would have ever had its terribly irresponsible cover if not for Reddit. But there was also a huge backlash. They were swearing and saying, Reddit screwed up. Seeing, you know, Reddit being used to have this cruel witch hunt at an individual and at his family was a huge wake-up call. The second incident was when people stole the nude photos of different celebrities and started posting them all over the Internet. Most sites shut it down. Reddit held on to its its free speech and said, we're not going to shut it down. So we continued to post links to these unauthorized nude photos that had been stolen from people. And that was a big wake-up call, too. Like, this is not what we want to do. And so by the time you were deciding, like, I do want to step into this role, I'm, I'm guessing that you were aware that this was going to be something you had to address head on. Like, I mean, this sort of toxic element. Were you scared? It felt more like something that had to be done, that someone had to do it. It's kind of like, you know, literally taking out the trash. Like, somebody has to do it, and let's just do it and get it over with. Otherwise, it's just going to fester and, you know, get stinkier and and get more of a nuisance. Like, if we can clean up Reddit, then nobody else has an excuse. And when you say nobody else, you mean other all the other tech companies in Silicon Valley, right? Right. So when we took down unauthorized nude porn, including revenge porn, everybody followed. If I could clean up Reddit, it could hopefully have a good influence on the rest of the Internet. So while you're working to combat harassment that's happening on and within Reddit, you're also at trial against Kleiner Perkins, which is another huge company in Silicon Valley. Um, and it's a gender discrimination lawsuit. And it's, you're dealing with harassment, which is the same stuff you're trying to deal with at Reddit. What are your days like during this period? So I didn't sleep very much. I probably slept, like if I slept three hours, that was a good day. So I would get up super early and you know, and kind of see what was going on with the site and send out a bunch of emails. We we're still recruiting. So, you know, I was deep in trying to engage with different candidates. And then I would go to court probably from 9 to 4 every day 
And I would usually check my messages over lunch, sometimes do a phone call. And then after court, I would go straight to the Reddit office. And I would spend a few hours there. I would try to get home before my daughter went to sleep. And then I would be back online after that until probably like one or two in the morning. It sounds like what you're dealing with in the courtroom during this period is pretty similar to what you're dealing with at your job. I felt like I was getting attacked from all sides. So just harassment, people not happy with my litigation, people not happy with the changes I was making on the site. And what was the public's perception of you at this time? When the news of my lawsuit became public, there was a wave of reporting and a wave of trolling. Yeah, there was a very larger-than-life evil persona that people put to my name, and it was never something I could identify with. You know, I was selfish. I was slutty. I was, you know, um, stupid. I was not a hard worker. I was trying to take shortcuts. I was, you know, um, I hated free speech. You know, there were all of these things that were so not me. You know, there was one article that talked about me in the New York Times that said he was skeptical of my claims because he had never heard anybody talk about it before. So, you know, the the kind of skepticism and the she must be a poor performer and, you know, the personal attacks on my family, it was incredibly vicious. You know, so the piece that kept me going was, well, this has to change. Like, we can't allow this level of harassment. It was also hearing from people, like hearing from people that it was making a difference, hearing from people who wanted to see these changes, hearing from people who had had similar experiences or who had had terrible experiences on Reddit, the site, like hearing that they wanted the changes and that this was important to them and that was inspiring to them or it was validating for them was really you know, it was really motivating and it was really encouraging. The jury is discussing all of these big issues that affect so many more people than just you in Silicon Valley. And the verdict is going to be potentially a huge win for women in your industry. What's going through your mind as they're deliberating all of this? I guess it was the optimist in me. I just thought, wow, this is just wrong. Like, they can't allow this to happen. And the jury should be able to see it. There was, you know, a point where they called everybody back in so that the jury could read its verdict. You know, they had voted and they had agreed on a verdict, and we all came back to the courtroom. And I could tell from the body language, people wouldn't make eye contact. There was one guy who made eye contact who looked so angry at me, and I was like, ooh, this is not going to be good. I want to thank my family and my friends for your love and support during these very challenging times. I'm grateful to my legal team for getting me a day in court. And that is Ellen Powell. She may have lost her gender discrimination suit against uh, employer Kleiner Perkins, but the topic of sexism and discrimination... One of the women on the jury spoke up about how she thought about it, and she was one of the uh, jurors who had voted to uphold my claims. And I was just so impressed by her, and that really helped me kind of feel better about losing because I saw, like, I had at least reached this woman and, and maybe I had reached a lot of other people. And then I can't imagine you have to go back to your day job at Reddit where you're trying to push through these really big, difficult changes. What was that like? Like, I think overall, 
many people were happy with the changes. There were a lot of people who were not, and they were the more active and vociferous people. And then there were a lot of people who were just bandwagoning. I thought I could ride it out. But like the, all of a sudden, like I was supposed to have a meeting with two of the board members, and I was like, oh, shit, this does not sound good. At a certain point, the board decided that I should resign. A shakeup at the top for Reddit after a user uproar. Many of its moderators, who largely work for free, began shutting down some of the most trafficked parts of the site in response to a popular employee being fired. CEO Ellen Powell apologized for how the entire situation was handled, but it didn't quiet the criticism. So today, she resigned as interim chief executive officer. And they cited, you know, they wanted a higher number of users than I said I could get them to. I don't think they've reached that number of users now, three years later, but, you know, that was a cited reason. But I think at that point I was just, you know, like, well, you know, if you don't understand the work that's gone into what we've done and if you can't appreciate the changes that have been made, then maybe this is not, you know, a good fit. And and in some ways it was also a relief, like, to not have to continue every day pushing that rock up the hill. So what was that last day at Reddit even like? The last day was bizarre. I'm like packing up my stuff and the new CEO comes in and he's like, let's have a party. And I was like, whoa, I'm not even out of the building yet. But and it was like just, you know, another day at Reddit, complete chaos. (laughs) So after you walk out that door, what's next for you? I have um, a friend who lives in Hawaii, and she had, I don't think I invited myself. I think she invited me out there. It was weird to go from being so busy, because even after the trial ended, like, we're just constantly working. It was just a very dramatic change, because even when I had been on vacation before, I don't, you be busy. You'd have stuff to do. And here I really had absolutely no responsibility. Did you like that? Were you like, I could get used to this? (laughs) It was at the end of the trip, like just lying on the paddleboard and just kind of floating around and just, you know, enjoying nature and being with family and just like, I was like, wow, like there is, you know, life after tech and, you know, and, you know, you don't have to be in tech to have a good life or to you know, to enjoy yourself. Like the idea of just not having the pressure and not having that feeling of like, you know, having to do things for other people and being able to just do something for myself felt very powerful. I felt like I had, you know, made some substantial changes to Reddit the site, that I had, you know, had a contribution to changing people's attitudes and perceptions of the tech meritocracy, and maybe that was enough. That was kind of what was going on in my mind, because it was hard. I mean, it was a lot of, how much do I have to do? Like, how much more? How much more, you know, harassment are people going to heap on me? And how much, you know, more am I going to be undervalued or you know, unappreciated for the work that I'm doing. And maybe this isn't a good place for me, and maybe I've done made my contribution, and maybe it's time to do something totally different. Like, maybe I had done my service, and it would be okay for me to just, you know, take a break. 
So you're basically like, do I go back to Silicon Valley and keep pushing that boulder up the hill? Or do I like sun myself on the boulder in Hawaii without a purpose, but with a lot of relaxation? What did you decide? So I came back and I did kickboxing for a few months. And it was kind of funny. I met this woman and she was like, kickboxing? I don't think I've angry enough to kickbox. I was like, oh, I'm angry, lady. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that ended up being like, it was good. It was like just very therapeutic. I spent, you know, a lot of time with my therapist. I kind of readjusted to not working and I readjusted to, you know, life as this new person where people were so much more supportive. And then I started, you know, reconnecting with people in the tech world. So who were some of those supportive people? And did they give you the kind of the courage or the desire to get back out there in Silicon Valley and start working for change again? You know, I met with Erica Joy Baker. I met with Frida Kapor Klein. I met with Bethany Blunt. And we were talking about, like, all of these problems in tech. We started talking about, like, well, what could we do to change things? And, you know, I had dinner with Erica and Tracy Chow, and we we really thought about, like, how can we tell people what they should actually be doing? And we ended up starting a group, and we called it Project Include. And we said, okay, we will set up a website and put out all of our recommendations so that people know that it's not just one training, it's not waiting for the pipeline to fix itself. But there are all these things, I think it ended up being 87 recommendations, that you can do. Like, can we get your portfolio companies or your company, if you're a CEO, to share data on where you are on your diversity demographics and on your satisfaction levels so that we can actually show a set of startups that are doing much better than the big companies that are out there? You know more than anyone, I think, that Silicon Valley is a tough place to make big, lasting change. I'm wondering if you're optimistic about the work that you're doing now. I hope so, because I hope all this work that I'm doing is productive. I think it would be, like, so disappointing if, you know, five years from now, not very much has changed. And I realize that all of this work that I've done, like, keeping, you know, as an introvert, like, staying in the public eye, which is not what I want to do, um, it, you know, that I've done all of it for nothing, it would be it would be really disappointing. And then I'll be like, God, I should have stayed in Hawaii. (laughs) Ellen Pao is probably not on a paddleboard in Hawaii right now. She is the co-founder of Project Include, which is a nonprofit that uses data to advocate for diversity in the tech industry. Going Through It is an original series from MailChimp, and I'm your host, Ann Friedman. I'm held afloat by producers Eleanor Kagan, Megan Tan, Gabrielle Lewis, and Claire Tai. This episode was edited by Joel Lovell. It was scored and mixed by Hannes Brown. Thanks to Max Linsky, for whom past is brologue, and everyone at Pineapple Street Media. On the next episode of Going Through It, what happens when you can't commit to your career or to your dream? I was in tears, and then just everything was drenched. I got there. No one was even there because it was snowing so hard, and so we spent a lot of money to even have that set up. And I was thinking, what am I doing? Is this is this what I should be doing? And I, do people even care? And it was a moment of a lot of self-doubt. 
Charlotte Cho now runs Soko Glam, one of the largest retailers of Korean skincare in the United States. But there was a time in her life when she couldn't figure out what she was passionate about. I sat down with Charlotte to talk about not just starting your own business, but really committing to it. 